This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that proved its tactical genius by subbing beer for gin after the game, thereby avoiding a hangover. Yes, indeed. Now, typical, typical, typical Chelsea. From the highs of beating Atletico Madrid in their own backyard on Wednesday to the lows of losing a crunch match against Man City on Saturday. Such is the life of a Chelsea supporter. But whilst City were very good on Saturday, did it all hinge on Morata limping off injured after 35 minutes? Does his injury confirm our worst fears about not buying a decent backup striker? And will this end up being more damaging to our season than a 1-0 defeat to City relatively early in the season? Was this a game too far, or should we have coped better? Now, looking back at the massive win against Atletico last week, it did possibly confirm that Chelsea are most definitely back as a force in European football. But there is still, in fact, a long way to go. Now, I'm Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast number 399, Raspberry Rippled. Get it? Now I've got. Um, I'm, I ought to actually before we get on and introduce you, everybody. Uh, massive apologies. We are running 15 minutes or so late, uh, largely because I stupidly uh, checked the internet connection and realised it was a bit shonky, and uh, then had to restart that, and that meant I had to restart my computer. And as I was saying to the lads before we started, my computer is very much like its owner, rather old and decrepit, and uh, takes a long time to wake up. So apologies, but we are here, here with you, and we have, I think. A stellar lineup tonight. Uh, some very, very good friends and some some people who've been on the show uh, several times before, but do not get on enough, which is all my fault because it's me that does the schedule. Uh, but first of all, of course, uh, the man who is always with me at my side, my my sidekick, whatever, I'm however you want to call him, really, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. You've lost him there. <laughs> 
What you have to earth look it up. is the menu? Somebody on, Mix, somebody on Mixler, tell him. You have. You're looking it up now. God blimey. It's not often I get caught out with a bit of verbiage, JK. So, I, my, yeah, my hat is off. As always, lovely to have you on the show. We also have my great buddy, uh, the, the man that I used to call Boss. I don't know if he calls me Boss now, but anyway, it's the wonderful, wonderful Tim Rolls. Uh, now, last but by no means least, it seems highly, highly, highly fortuitous that on the show tonight we have <laughs> a massively intelligent man who can make descriptions of games that probably mean about as much to me as a, men- a menu. A menu what was it, Jonathan? A menu what? It's an artistic assistant, by the way, Chidge. A menuensis. Yes, yeah, it, is, it is Mr. Joe Tweeds. Yes, yes, Mr. Joe Tweeds with his clever tactical formations. Yeah, good to have you back on the show, Joe. It's been a while. I'm really looking forward to this tonight because, I mean, there's some real brains on this show tonight and me and Jonathan. I wish. Uh, right, more of this. Uh, anon, no doubt. On the show tonight, we're going to ask, does losing Morata to injury reveal Chelsea's Achilles heel? And should Conte have trusted the Batman? Uh, in part two, we ask, uh, were Chelsea really dominated by City? After the exertions against Atletico, was it a game too far? And why did Conte play Aspilicueta as wing-back uh, and not Moses or Zabacosta? We'll also ask, uh, uh, in fact, we'll discuss the newspaper talk. Mm-mm. Well, OK, the idiot-in-chief, Duncan Castles, who's uh, kind of put out a story yet again that Conte's wanting out at the end of the season with uh, Ancelotti apparently being muted as a possible replacement. Um, is it all nonsense or is there no smoke without fire? In part three, we're going to look back at the superb win against Atletico Madrid last Wednesday, which will no doubt cheer us up after the f- uh, first two parts. But does it mean that Chelsea are back? I, for one, think it does. Uh, in part four, we've got some top emails, as always, including a request for a song from Jonathan, yes, really. Uh, anyway, that I'm afraid. Well, thankfully, that will come right at the end of the show. So many most Sorry. people have switched off by then. But uh, anyway, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join all the chat on the chat page like many people do. Of course, you can always tweet us uh, on uh, Chelsea fancast during the show, and I'll completely ignore it as I normally do. Now, after this small break, we will be back. Gentlemen, 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 the first thing that we should really, really talk about, I mean, I've got to be honest with you, I mean, I thought I thought City were excellent, we'll talk more about that later, but um, for me, the, the, the match really did hinge on, on losing Morata, who of course has been absolutely uh, brilliant for us. Um, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, you know, it, it kind of, we lost our out ball, uh, you know, when we lost him, and we really needed it, because they were very good, and they pressed us like Billio. Uh, and it needed a like-for-like swap, but what we got uh, was William coming on to bolster the midfield, which I kind of understand because it was, you know, we need to try and, you know, retain some possession or get some. But, I mean, ultimately, Joe, uh, I'll give you first dibs on this. Um, 
it just really spoke volumes, possibly about how how yeah, little I mean, you I, trust Batshuayi. Yeah, say that it points to that. I think for for me, the there were kind of two things of interest really. Um, when City play with that kind of really high pressing, high tempo, you know, the only way really to to counteract it, unless you can pass the ball like peak Barcelona sort of of a few years ago, is to go direct. And with Morata, with his height and with his size, I think what we've seen particularly sort of post-Arsenal, is his ability to hold the ball up, to bring people into play, to use his head, to to relieve pressure. Um, and yeah, I mean, as soon as he goes off injured, I think that we, we really didn't really have a, a clue how to uh, how to sort of get the ball past their sort of first line of pressing. And to not then bring on um, Batshuayi, who, you know, he's, he's not going to hold the ball up in a similar way to Morata, but I think he can, uh, he can definitely run in behind or provide some kind of way of stretching them. Just very, very strange. And then obviously, I think it was all compounded by... Uh, you know, moving to uh, Hazard to, to this kind of false nine centre forward role, which I think we've seen maybe five, six, seven times now, and I don't think any of them have been particularly successful. It's it felt a bit like Conte was just trying to pigeonhole uh, Hazard and, and William into sort of the same shape. But yeah, I, I, I would say really, I mean, I, I think our our whole shot of the game um, kind of hinged on the the Morata injury, and as soon as he went off, that ability to try and counteract what City were doing off the ball just didn't happen, and. Yeah, I mean, we, we were just getting sort of pressed off the park and there was no outlet at all. I mean, Jonathan, that, that, that you know, Joe's pretty much summed that up. I mean, my, my, my problem with this really is that, you know, the, the, the sensible ones amongst us during the uh, ridiculously drawn out, over-rumoured, over-hyped transfer window was that actually, you know, calm your tits, everybody. The, the transfer window wasn't actually that disastrous for us. We did strengthen the squad. We have got some better players. But the glaring, glaring omission was getting a decent backup striker to Morata. I mean, admittedly, at the time, we didn't know that Morata was going to be quite as good as he, he clearly is. But we did feel that if anything happened to him, Batshuayi might not be the answer. And actually getting somebody who could be a decent backup would be. So, in a sense, do you think our, our, our chickens well, are perhaps coming some, home to roost? The rumour at the time that... Um, uh, what's the name of the lady who does all the transfer deals? I can never remember. Um, what's her name, Church? Marina. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's the, it's Marina, saying, uh, Marina well, Granovskaya. You know, we paid £34 million for Batshuayi. Why do we need another striker? And, uh, that, you know, you make him good. You're good at making people good. But uh, as I've, I've said before, um, the uh, from uh, Blue Squirrel on the training ground, um, he's not the sharpest tool in the box. And uh, he's not great at, um, uh, at uh, paying uh, attention to what Conte wants him to do. And, and we've all established he's very good in the six-yard box. But um, uh, he just needs to improve his overall game, doesn't he? So uh, clearly the, he hasn't got confidence in him. Um, and yes, of course, um, we, without our knowledge of what, what goes on at all, decided that, yes, they needed, definitely needed another top striker to make the team um, into the all-powerful unit that we wanted it to be, particularly since City were uh, spending so much money um, and United, of course. I mean, we've actually, after we've sold Costa, um, made a profit in the window, which I don't think is something we should be proud of at all. Um, whereas how much did City spend? I mean, you looked at that team. That team was, I thought they were phenomenal. I thought City were absolutely great. But the way to beat them, as as Joe has said, was to play the ball long. And they should even have been playing the ball long, um, which I think they were going to do more when Morata was there, obviously. And that's why it was absolutely weird that we still kept playing this short game, um, which caused those ridiculous moments where... Uh, 
um, Courtois was was uh, almost hit the ball against who was it? Um, Jesus as he was running in, and uh, and you just thought, come on, just boot the ball up the pitch. They're pressing so much, and that is the standard way to deal with that pressing game. It's why they have great difficulty playing against lower teams, lesser teams in the past city because everybody in lesser team get 10 men behind the ball and boot the ball down the pitch to the to the one man who's up so why we we he felt conti felt that we couldn't do that was was something i couldn't really get my head round and poor old william unfortunately was forced to play this strange um almost striker almost midfield and he clearly couldn't do it and got more and more frustrated and i think he's going through a bad patch anyway um and you wondered why wasn't Pedro put on in his stead. But perhaps that's a position they thought they'd, they'd use as an option. I mean, the thing was, Morata looked injured after the Atletico game with his ankle injury because he was wandering around with ice on his ankle. But then clearly this was, a, this was something else. Yeah. This was his, um, uh, this is a hamstring injury. But yes, we've, the worst possible scenario that we prophesied, even on this show, Chidge, well done, was that uh, if he got injured, what would we do? And I think that's, you know, was it Clarente was supposed to be the other player we were getting, wasn't he? But um, Mm. obviously we could only offer him a year-long contract and Spurs offered him a two-year-long contract. Um, And of course, I think, you know, more fool him because he would have been playing now um, uh, Mm. ahead of of Batshuayi, whereas he can't get in the Spurs side at all. But uh, um, yeah, so the the answer to your question is... uh, I think we are we are ruining it, yes. And that, of course, this leads on to what we were talk, you were talking about earlier is that Duncan Castles is saying that he's so mm. pissed off with the way he's been treated in the transfer window. We'll get to that eventually, no? But I'm using it as a we'll get we'll get to yes. that we'll get to that later. Indeed. Hold your I'll horses. Shut up. I'll shut up now. You're doing it as a, t- a tease. Yeah, well, unfortunately, right at the end of part two, so it'll be a bit of it'll, it'll be a bit of a long segue. Uh, very, really good points, though. I think I think the point about William is fascinating, though. I mean, I, I can't for the life of me. I mean, you know, look, okay. I mean, Tony actually made a really good point on here earlier, Tim. That you know, actually, we did look a bit better when when Batshuayi came on, but you know, still, I think that there are doubts about his you know effectiveness on the ball his ability to actually hold it up and bring others in and you know if you're going to play with one striker up top and I think particularly in that out game when we were just absolutely desperate for an out ball and, and some respite I mean even given that I still can't understand why Conte brought <laughs> William on and, and I think Jonathan he, is well, right. I, I he think looked he like did. he had the hump I, I think didn't he, he clearly doesn't rate Batasai as a 90 minute player it would appear he doesn't rate him as a 55 minute player either because he didn't, you know, he didn't bring him on. He obviously sees him only as an impact player. And of course, William had a, well, to be honest, a calamitous game. I think Joe spotted actually on Twitter this, um, the free kick he took where there was a one-man wall. Yes. He punted the ball straight at it. It was quite astonishing. As Joe said, you know, anyone, anyone could have kicked the ball anywhere else in the ground, but he kicked him straight at the bloke. And that was... I mean, I'm not getting at him because obviously he has been brilliant for Chelsea in the past. But he had one of those days. He hasn't been brilliant recently. They have got it. They clearly got it wrong in the summer. If they, if they don't rate the guy, they do need a backup, as, 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 you, as you've all said. It's, it's not acceptable to go into a situation where we're now into two games a week. I know we've got the international break, but we've got two games a week with the Champions League and the League Cup and what have you, where we've got a striker who's, who's injured. We've got a secondary one that doesn't, the manager doesn't rate. 
We've got uh, Hazard playing a false number nine, which is probably not the best use of his abilities. And we've got a bloke who might well score goals for us on loan at Swansea. So, you know, it's not exactly 10 out of 10 for the uh, for the back room at Chelsea. But, you know, we are where we are. If he doesn't rate him, we're going to have to make the best we can. Does anyone well, know well, when Murata, a... how long Murata's like to be out for? Well, that that's a really good question. I mean, I've read two reports today. One in the Standard saying he's out for possibly four weeks and saying, well, he might be back for Palace. And I've read another one in the Express before we went on air tonight saying it's it's a four to eight week injury. So God only knows. I yeah, mean, Joe, have I, you, I saw can something you shed about, any light um, on that? Spain was saying he had this like grade two myofascial, blah, 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 whatever it is they're trying to say that he's done some sort of muscular injury. So if it is muscular, um, I, I think probably four to six weeks is fair. Um, no real insight in terms of the injury, but it feels like from what I've read from the the Spanish squad that I think maybe yeah, four to six weeks yeah. seems quite reasonable, which isn't great for us. <laughs> no. Mm. I mean, you see, as Jonathan and Tim, uh, yeah, as, as, as Jonathan, sorry, mate, as Jonathan and Tim were saying, I mean, that 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 for me, you know, if if he's out for six to eight weeks, he's going to miss Man United and the Liverpool match and Roma and uh, Roma at home and away. And and that tells me that somebody in the club, and I I suspect not Conte, because I think that we've kind of read between the lines in that he, he doesn't have too much control over who comes in and who goes out other than, you know, kind of saying yes or no, if you see what I mean. But he's not organising it all. To me, that just shows what a gamble Chelsea have taken and what utter folly it is. Because, you know, to go through an entire season with your best striker... Uh, you know, who doesn't get either either suspended or injured is just insanity. We got away with it, I think, a lot last year. But you know, already within seven games, we could be screwed for two months. And yeah, that, that I mean, I, crucial, I think it goes it, back Joe? to the summer again. Um, you know, I think I made a fairly big point about saying I, I don't feel that we've we've really strengthened in terms of the actual squad. I think we did a lot of replacing. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen us add five players, not necessarily get rid of five and bring in five who may or may not be uh, be better. But, yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to, to the summer again. I mean, the club know, or they should know, at least by now, the demands of, of playing midweek and, and, and at the weekends. We've done it for, for such a long period of time. Um, to go into the season with a, with a centre-forward that I think Conte clearly doesn't rate. I mean, he doesn't rate Batshuayi at all. Um, you know, I think it's, it's becoming more and more evident now that he's, he's not a fancy player, doesn't hold the ball up, doesn't do the mm. sort of things he wants. And, think you know if, if he wanted sort of a secondary spearhead the fact that the club wouldn't sign off an additional year uh, contract for Lorente seems very petty you know considering the uh, the circumstances that one injury has, has potentially led us to to you know the uh, play, you know potentially playing Batshaw away for, for two months and you know again I think he's he's a good finisher Batshaw away but it's it's the game around you know outside the, 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 the sort of 18 yard box I think with Morata we were starting to see what a centre forward can can bring to the team when he can you know link play outside the air and when he can sort of add stuff, you know not just in the penalty box. So we're trying to sort of progress away from this kind of Costa sort of model where basically Costa's there just to finish chances. And I think Morata was getting a lot more involved in the game, going back to that kind of model again. And, and whether it really works, whether Batshuayi is, is of the standard that's going to you know carry us against United and whoever you know Liverpool and whoever else we're playing. I think you said Roma as well. Those are tough games. You know they've got they've got good defences. You know it's it's. Oh, yeah. it's, it, it, again, I just said it, it, it all goes back to the summer cheer. And I think uh, a lot of people were patting themselves, on the, patting themselves on the back about, you know, we've got some good players in, etc. But 
we let we let a lot of good players go, and I don't think really we, we addressed some of the uh, the major weaknesses. And you know, I think what what Jonathan and, and Tim have said, you know, that secondary striker role, um, you know, would Lorente would look really really useful right about now. Mm, that's absolutely right. I mean, the other thing is that I thought about as well, uh, Jonathan, was that. Um, you know, Batshuayi, I think, you know, has proved that he, you know, he can score goals. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later on. But, you know, he, he was absolutely in the right place at the right time. And he put away that goal against Atletico very, very well. But he doesn't, he's not the complete striker by any means. And he's no way as good as uh, as Conte. But I, my, 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 Conte, Morata, my feeling is, is that, you know, you could probably get away with a Hazard or a William or a Pedro filling in against the lesser sides. Uh, and you could probably get away with playing Batshuayi as a starter against the lesser sides. But when you do play against sides like City, who, again, we'll talk about this later, I thought were very organised in defence, surprisingly. And I mean, you can bet your bottom dollar that Roma will be pretty organised too. That is where we're going to struggle. And, and again, that, that for me exemplifies well, the folly of not getting a backup. I don't reckon that City were spe- specifically organised. I think that they were in defence. I think that they played so uh, brilliantly at the pressing game. And they played offside. Um, absolutely yeah. excellently, didn't they? Um, offside after offside going on, and uh... were they were they all offside, John? Were they all offside? You have a much better you have a much better you have a much better view of that than me, and it was really frustrating because I'm stuck right at the wrong end. I couldn't I couldn't believe that we were offside every time. But you, of course, have got a really well, good view. Were, we, were we really offside every I time? Got, um, telescopic sideways vision to be in line with the linesman because I sit just to the right of the old director's box. But um, from the point of view of people um, wandering into offside positions, which is what they were doing, and then coming back on, the number of times the the lino did that business of pointing with his hand, you know, they try and give a little sign to show what exactly happened to justify their decision, which is sort of was went forward and then went back and was then in play. That was practically every time. But I felt that they were, um, it was a legitimate ploy. They were actually pushing up. Uh, I mean, they're pushing up anyway because they're pressing so much. So they were organised to that extent. And, but I, I, I didn't feel that, that we put them under any pressure at all to, uh, other than in the first few minutes with Murata's header. Um, so it, 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 we couldn't tell whether they were organised or not. Um, uh, and I think part of it is possibly down to him not picking Moses. Um, mm. I know he was very keen to play this 3-5-2 because he played 3-5-2 against Atletico, but he almost played into City's hands through doing that um, because there was nobody uh, there was nobody putting any pressure on them um, in terms of attacks. And we kept avoiding Alonso for some strange reason. Alonso at least was getting forwards. The bloke behind me was getting completely apoplectic. He kept saying, for fuck's sake, Alonso! He's not allowed to swear because he'd be thrown out where we sit. But he said, he kept saying, he kept saying, Alonso! Alonso, give it to Alonso! <laughs> but he was, he was very far forward. He was well, that's the, true. He was the only one who was being forward. Is that, is that why I've not been invited? Uh, well, no, there we no, go. No, you no, you no, took no, the words right out of my mouth. I, I know that that's not true because you did actually very kindly yeah, invite me count, if you're free, to the carrier just... bag game. Listen, guys, we're going to have to wrap this part up, and then we're going to, we can we can uh, we can get back into all of this in a second because there's so much more to talk about about this. It was a cracking game in many respects, and you know I I, I think that on another day we might have squeaked a draw. But anyway, after the break, we're going to ask: uh, Were Chelsea really dominated by City? 
All the pundits seem to think so. After the exertions against Atletico, was it a game too far? And why did Conte play Aspilicueta as wing-back and not, as, as Jonathan was saying, not Moses or Zappacosta? Uh, we'll also discuss the newspaper talk about Conte wanting out at the end of the season with Ancelotti being mooted as a possible replacement. Is it all nonsense or is there no smoke without fire? We shall discuss in a minute. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you, of course, are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, a bit of a humdinger of a show tonight. Loads and loads and loads and loads to discuss. Good stuff. Right, now, loads to talk about, so let's get straight on with it. Um, it's a very interesting thing. It's been a bit of a hobby horse of mine recently, actually, is that whenever Chelsea uh, lose... Um, you know, it, it's all because we're shit and we're rubbish and everything else. But people tend to be quite myopic and they never actually, uh, you know, look at the opposition. And sometimes the opposition can stop us playing. Sometimes the opposition can play very, very well. You know, there are two teams on the football pitch and they kind of interact and they do have an effect on each other. And I think in many respects, uh, Saturday was such a day. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I talked to Kerry about this on the Kerry Dixon show last week and I thought there were going to be loads of goals and I thought that we might win, you know, the odd goal in five. And I really thought that Pep, because he's Pep, wouldn't give a shit about defending and would just go gung-ho and we would pick him off. And how wrong I was. But what I will say is... Um, I have to say, City are the best team I've seen play us at Stamford Bridge for a long time. Uh, and actually, it did remind me of Barcelona at their best. The, 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 the way that City pressed us and harried us all over the pitch, they suffocated the life out of us, they they, they kept the ball. You know, I, I thought they were excellent. But having said all that, gentlemen, uh, and actually, there's another point here. I thought actually, in some respects, they did to us what we did to Atletico Madrid on Wednesday. Well, that's another story. But at the end of the day, you know, we we were in it until Morata went off, as we were alluding to in the first part of the show. And at the other end of the day, if it hadn't have been for one moment of brilliance from Kevin De Bruyne, um, we might well we might uh, well have got away with that, Jonathan. I think they'd have scored anyway, Chidge. I thought we I thought we we looked a bit tired by the end, which is the other point of course to discuss whether they'd had an extra day um but they did play phenomenally and i actually think this is the way that he's been trying to get them to play uh, ever since he became manager and as you say it has got um uh leanings towards barcelona because that's the way he, he got them to play um and we we weren't actually up to that um and but i i do think it's a uh, Conte is the kind of manager who will learn from it and realise that there's a way to circumvent that and uh, um, and, and will train them accordingly. Um, uh, but they were superb. The the tactically they were excellent and their fitness was excellent. And I think De Bruyne said it in an interview afterwards. He said that you know it's all come together uh, and they've been trying to play like this and it hasn't worked in the past. But. Um, uh, as, I, as I've said in the, previously, I do think that if they've been playing a lesser team, um, 
they either might have, you know, destroyed them 5-0 or, or they might have been stretched more because the, the lesser teams have in the past been putting them more under um, uh, under pressure by playing playing the long ball. Um, but they were, uh, it wasn't the case that the there was that one moment of brilliance. They also had the volley from Jesus, which Rudiger superbly headed off the line. Um, uh, but other than that, they were much quicker. I think also the tactic, tactically... Tactically, mm, they were true, playing. True. Um, they were playing everybody so much further forward. Sane and uh, and and Jesus were were superb, weren't they? Uh, the speed with which, and, and then you've got Silver as well flitting about. Um, and you weirdly had Delph playing sort of fullback, um, um, uh, um, what you call it, wing back. Um, and he's not a winger at all, but it allowed the other two proper wingers, Walker, uh, proper fullbacks, Walker and. Um, um, who was the other guy on the left, Walker and uh, uh, their other fullback? Um, oh, um, uh, so Walker and, and Delph, I think, was kind of sort of supposed fullbacks. They were they were uh, they were given space as a consequence because I, I thought we were a bit confused by the whole process. Also, as you said, they were so speedy. They just played. They played wonderfully, and um, uh, and we were a bit leggy by the end. And I think they'd have scored. Mm. Um, they they would have kept on going and scored if, if De Bruyne hadn't scored. Mm. I I I felt we were fortunate in the end only to let away let in one. Mm. Well, fair enough. I think that's very honest to you. I may, maybe I'm being a bit blue tinted about that, but I, you know, on another day we might have got away with it. I mean, you know, Sterling. I, I have to be honest and say I, I think they're a very, very good side. But how Sterling gets in there, I'll never know. He runs like a girl, and he's comically shit when in front of goal, uh, which is of course typical because of course he gets picked for England all the time. Like we really care about that, eh, Tim? Um, Tim, one thing that did occur to me though, I mean, you know. De Bruyne made the difference, uh, I think, on Saturday, and it was a superbly worked goal, and he absolutely walloped it in. Um, should we regret selling him, or should we regret well, it's, Mourinho it's selling years him? Ago, isn't it? You, you have to move on. I think he is obviously a very good player, but you know, it, it's a while back. You, you can, you know, you consume yourself with regrets, and you end up sort of not going anywhere. I think the, the point is that he seems to have improved. I think the other point with City is that he. Um, Guardiola seems to have got the defenders that he wants now to go with the other, the the rest of the team, and they are a fantastic team. I, I you know going forward they've been the best team for five or six years. Aguero, Silva, De Bruyne, you know Sterling, what have you, and they seem to have improved because they brought in Walker. Now Walker's not so good defending, but you know going forward he's good. And if he's managed to convert Delph into a wing back, then that's even more remarkable than converting Victor Moses into one. So yeah, I think. Um, it's a shame that De Bruyne went and didn't. We didn't exploit his talents to the full. But it, it was three years ago, and we have to move on. We have to. I'd rather the focus at the club was was frankly mm. more about getting it right in January if we're going to going to be active in January. But uh, he, he's a world class player, and, and it's a shame. But it's one of those things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Tim, je ne regret rien. I mean, I think there was an interesting point that came out in some of the media that I was viewing on Sunday, Tim, and that was, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and, 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 and my own feeling was actually that they were very well organised defensively, and I think that they had improved. But I think there was a very good point made, was that, you know, we didn't really have a go at them. We didn't really, you know, 
try and prove whether that was the case or not. And the comparison was made to Liverpool before uh, before Mane got sent off, that they had a right go at City and they looked a bit wobbly defensively. So, you know, and I, and I think without leaping ahead, because I do want to talk about the legginess in a minute, but um, one thing that I did miss... Um, you know, well, I didn't miss it at the game because I did sit there thinking, why? Why was Kante playing more out towards the right and Fabregas more in the centre? And I mean, I could understand playing a three-man midfield, but surely not that way. And in a sense, you know, we didn't really have the chance to create enough to put them under pressure, and maybe in a sense yes, made their defence look I, I good. Do. I mean, that's a fair point. We too. weren't really at the races, and I, although obviously Morata going off made a difference. To be honest, I thought City were the better team in the first 35 minutes. And as Jonathan says, if De Bruyne hadn't scored, somebody else would. We weren't, we just weren't at it. And, you know, f- for whatever reason. And I think that's partly because they didn't let us. That They pressed us so much, so well, that I just don't think we got to it. I, I, I like you, I wondered what Kante was doing on the wing. But I, I guess that was done for, for a reason, reason, not just a whim. But it, it, whatever it is, it, it didn't quite work. And I'm sure that Conte will go away and he'll think about what didn't work tactically. And he's got he's got time to think about it. Because we've got Man United in a month's time and we'll certainly have to be at the races for them. Hmm. Yeah, we will indeed. And, you know, it, 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 it kind of looks at the moment that City and United are the... Indeed. You know, if we finish above them, we'll win the league. It's that simple. Joe, uh, you, you sent me a brilliant, brilliant photograph. You sent me a brilliant photograph um, uh, yesterday, I think it was. But um, there was a lot of people saying that um, that we did look a bit fatigued and we were unable to play with the intensity that we needed. And um, I, I, my guts tell me that's a poor excuse. But on the other hand, we, we absolutely you know, put everything into that match against Madrid. And, and, and to be honest, they had to to win that. And fair play for them for doing it. But, you know, do you think that made a difference? Because, you know, I, I'll let you reveal the photograph yeah. that you sent me. I know you've got it in the script, so it's, you've got no excuses Not here. Not really. But to, do you think that's honest, a valid no. excuse? Um, I mean, I think the... You do. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even the what, second, third month of the season. We're talking about you know, really extremely well-paid athletes here. And I don't think, you know, a, a gap of that yeah. that long really should have, the, you know, the sort of effect that we saw on the level of performance. I mean, the the photo that uh, Chid is talking about, I sent him over a copy of the uh, the four games we played in nine days in 2012 in April. Um, so we had an FA Cup semi-final against Tottenham, which we won 5-1 at Wembley. We beat Barcelona 1-0 at home, drew with Arsenal away and then drew to all with Barcelona. Four games in the space of nine days, all with maximum effort, all with complete and utter dedication. Uh, you know, it, it, is it an excuse to say that we played a very good team on Wednesday and a very good team on, on Saturday? We're, we're going to do it a lot of times this season. You know, I think the the main worry or the main sort of thing that I've taken from the game is, is do we have the, the ability in the squad to cope with these, uh, with these demands? Now, it's all well and good saying, you know, looking at, uh, at you know, us winning the league last season, but we were playing once a week for pretty much the entire season. You know, every sort of Monday, you just see the players flying off to Spain or Dubai or wherever, going, going on holiday for two, three days, really well rested. Now we're back in the thick of it. Now we're back where we belong in European football. I, I don't think there's an excuse to say we turn up and play that well on Wednesday to then turn up on Saturday and just look like a completely different team. I think even at points, you know, you know there were points during the game well, I was thinking back to the uh, Atletico Madrid semi-final, um, I think maybe 2014, when Mourinho played about 25 defenders and, you know, Atletico Madrid completely and utterly 
played us off the pitch. It was it was that level of feeling of, of difference in quality available. Um, and West City, you know, don't have Aguero available. They have uh, Jesus, who I think is a fantastic player. Um, you know, but again, I think you know, you look at their squad and you look at ours. Guardiola pinpointed a massive weakness. He wants to play wing backs. He wants to play attacking fullbacks. They went out and spent 130 million pounds on them. Now we spent all summer chasing Alexandro. Couldn't get him. They went and bought uh, Benjamin Mendy from Monaco, who, you know, unfortunately is, well, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for them, is injured. He's fantastic. I think Carl Walker's very underrated. Um, there were reports that Chelsea tried to go for him as well. Um, but, you know, th- th- these are what these sorts of players uh, cost now. You know, and then they're, they're the type of players, I think, that you start to add that depth back into the squad that we haven't necessarily had for the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, Marcus Alonso's understudy is Kennedy. You know, are you going to drop Kennedy in against Manchester City? United, I mean, probably not even going to drop him in against a, a top 12 team in the Premier League. He doesn't have an understudy. So, yeah, you know, they probably were tired. But is it an excuse? I don't think it is, no. I, th- I think the board should have done better. I think they should have added players in the summer. But equally, I mean, it's, it's you know, September, October. I mean, we're two months into the season. Should the players be this tired? I don't think they should be, Chidge. No, well, I've got to be honest, Joe. I'm I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, you know, the knock-on from that, it's interesting what you're saying about, you know, Kennedy being Alonso's understudy, and that's absolutely right. Um, uh, but if that's the case, um, you know, he dropped both the man in possession and the understudy, apparently, and put Crazy. one of our best defenders in, in a wing-back role by putting Aspie... Uh, you know, as a wing-back rather than one of the back three. And, and you know, why on earth, Jonathan, I know this is your hobby horse of yours because you mentioned it earlier on, why on earth do you think he didn't play Moses or Zappacosta there? I, I don't understand that. that. Um, they would, uh, the speed of Sane and Sterling was something he needed to counteract by having uh, having Dave on the wing. I mean, it, it, mm. it, it, I felt the game showed that Rudiger isn't very speedy, actually. Um, he's a great defender, Rudiger, but he's he's not he's not the the quickest of souls. Whereas Christensen is completely outstanding, and uh, um, was was uh, um, what I don't know if you noticed this any any of you guys, but at the end of the game, Guardiola went up to Christensen and had about a three minute chat with him. So whether he was attempting to, to yeah, get, I saw that Jonathan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, do you think he was tapping him up a minute at least? But but anyway, but no, even just telling him how good he was, and you know, and and, and putting his arm around his shoulder because he was fantastic. He's a fantastic player, Christensen. Um, but uh, but no, I I think uh, yeah, I think he, he I, I think he felt that the three five two would stop them. Um, and and once again, I think we're just getting back to what we've spoken about. I think having Morata as the uh, as the focus would have actually put a lot more pressure on City but once he was injured we were found out um, and uh, and and the his uh, importance to Chelsea is mm. absolutely enormous and as uh, as everybody has said and Joe in particular has said it's been a glaring omission um, because it, the team uh, the, the best team we've got out is a great is a terrific team as we've proven against Atletico but if anything goes wrong um, it's very, very fragile, and they've—they—I don't quite know how they're going to deal with it. Um, I mean, as you say, the the Palace—they should. Mm. Well, if they don't beat Palace and Palace score, there's going to be something Oof. really wrong. But Palace are are, are not long for this uh, division. So, but it's the games afterwards that are going to be the trouble if Morata is injured. 
Um, uh, yeah. I've just yeah. I've just had a brilliant brilliant post, Jonathan. Jonathan, I've just had a brilliant post on uh, on Mixler, which I, I I think deserves getting read out because it absolutely underlines a point that you've both you and Joe have both made, and it's from uh, Patrick Rocker who says he's a second time poster. So there we go. He's a, he's normally afraid to post. Why are you afraid to post, Patrick? We don't bite much. Uh, Roman has created a monster which has now outgrown him in state owned clubs. I like that state owned clubs like PSG and City. Joe hit the nail on head on Twitter. We've not got better and we've not got worse. Only United yeah, and City yeah. have got better. Through spending I think he's, that's a good how post, many millions through, as Joe has said, through, through uh, buying all these terrific players. Now, I, I, what, what I'd like to know is uh, if we did offer large amounts of money for these players, did we not offer enough? Is that the problem? Is it because um, they have very specific ways of dealing with players, through, with agents, um, like with Lukaku, if that really did take place, they refused to play to pay. Um, is it Mendes? They refused to pay the extra fifteen million to him. Is that are they? Do they have principles? Because in which case, unfortunately, the principles are getting in the way of the team, uh, the team strengthening. I think it's been a quite recent thing that actually, Jonathan. I know for a fact that uh, when we went for Hazard, one of the main reasons oh. that we were able to get him ahead of probably 10 or so really competitive clubs was because we paid a huge, huge fee to his agent. So whether it's a, it's a recent development that all of a sudden now we've kind of developed a moral conscience after pretty much leading the charge for this sort of exorbitant spending, I don't know. But yeah. it seems like, yeah, I mean, we, we just, you know, the, the Alexandra transfer was one that dragged on from the first of whenever the window opened until the, the sort of very last second where we just seem to kind of be bidding in sort of million pound increments. <laughs> you know, if you if you want if you want to buy someone, and I think particularly in the system that Conte plays, that the wing backs that they're, right. they're not just it's not just a left back and a right back anymore. You know, you're you're a defender, you're a midfielder, you're a wing, and you've got to be fantastic attacking. You've got to be good enough in midfield to play with the ball, to to make angles, to almost play like a yes. central midfielder, and and be a defender as well. So you know, it's like a three people in one, and the club seem to be umming and ahhing about paying seventy million pounds for, you know, Sandra, who probably still is. Know, the, the the best uh, left wing back maybe bar Marcelo on the planet, um, but you know where where we seem to be chasing him. City came in and, and bought Mendy, you know, and uh, our options there there seem quite limited. And the same with Zappacosta, you know, again we seem to be interested in Walker. We seem to be interested in quite a few players, and we ended up buying a guy from Italy who you know, look, looks an okay player, but no one was really interested in bar us. So I mean, have we got to a position where I think Patrick's point is the same there, where we can't compete with these kind of uh, state-owned clubs, I quite like that phrase, where we're now sort of looking at, at buying second-tier players. I mean, that, that's that's the worrying thing for me. Yeah, I agree completely. Mm, good point, mate. I like that. Um, Tim, um, you know, one, one player, as Jonathan mentioned, who, who I mean, I actually thought he was our best player on the day by a country mile, uh, which... I have to say, it's not the first time, and I, I, it's superb to see. But Christensen really does look like the real deal, doesn't he, mate? Um, I'm, I'm just wondering though, does it does it cause a bit of a potential selection well, headache for Conte when Louise good, is back? A good thing to have. It's, 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 wish we had that problem at centre forward. Um, he's, he's he does look very good, and he's good that they brought him back and and they're, and they're playing him. Yeah, quite. My guess is they'll play Louise because he's you know because of his charisma and you know because of his experience, but. He's certainly giving him an interesting, um, something interesting to think about. And maybe, maybe he could play. I mean, I don't know. Joe would certainly know better than me whether he could play both of them. Because 
he looks he looks born to the to the top you know to the top end of the Premier League and to European football. There's no you know he's very very comfortable and that that's fantastic from our point of view. But it, you know whether whether he'll play instead of Louise, I I don't know. But I'd be interested in Joe's view and whether you could in theory mm. play both of them. Yeah, I mean I I, I personally would. Um, I think the the thing that we saw against City as well, particularly in the first half, Rudiger really struggled with the ball. Cahill is, is not really known for being a ball-playing centre-half. And again, if you're trying to alleviate pressure from a team that presses, if you've got two centre-backs either side of the central person who can pass you know, really, really well. But again, one of the reasons why moving kind of Azpilicueta to wing-back didn't really help. Azpilicueta has become fantastic at passing balls into strikers, passing balls into midfield. I think if you put Luis at left centre-back, you put Christensen in the middle, maybe with Azpilicueta at the right centre-back, uh, then I think then you've got uh, a blend of Christensen's kind of calmness and his... His ability just to almost, it's kind of instinctual ability to block and clear and just be in the right place at the right time. I mean, he plays like a, a player, you know, in, in his 30s, not someone who's in his early 20s. And then you have, you know, Luis's ability to pass and, and Aspilicueta's ability to pass in, in the side as well. Obviously, it doesn't mean that Rudiger gets a game. But I mean, again, this is where you start building strength in depth by having international players of Rudiger's ability on the bench, able to come in and play kind of any of the roles possible. So, yeah, I think Louise and, and Christian would, would do quite well. But it, it all depends on, on what kind of uh, system Conte's playing. If he wants to play from the back, then I think he needs to to sort of openly uh, try and get as many ball-playing centre-halves in as possible. Christian can do it, Aspilicueta can, and, not, and we all know Louise can on his day. So, yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, Joe, and I think that, that 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 for me is the salient point because apart from everything else about Christensen, he looks so comfortable on the ball and that was the most pleasing thing to see. And the other thing, actually, which I think is almost ironic in a sense, when you consider all of the young players that have come and gone or not quite made the grade and we all bemoan the fact that nobody's made it from the academy or whatever. I mean, I know we bought him when he was 16, but it would be... He, for me, he looks the first player the first young player that's kind of been around Chelsea for a long time that actually looks good enough to genuinely make it and make it now. Let's hope that he does. Um, we need to kind of move on a little bit because I want to I want to talk about this Conte, uh, you know, you know, maybe on his way out at the end of the season thing. Um, but I think just to kind of put a line under the City uh, game, Jonathan, I mean, it, it seemed to me, and I mean, you, you probably saw this very clearly because the City players were all going absolutely batshit, weren't they, at the final whistle, which tells me that it was a huge, huge victory for them, or they felt it was a huge victory for them. But I, I just wonder, you know, coming quite early in the season, um, I wonder how much harm it's done us. I have to be honest and say I don't think it will do, to be honest. I think it's a great challenge for Conte now to... Uh... Um, to see where the uh, whether he can somehow d- tactically deal with this with all with all the clubs. I mean, they're bound to. Well, you hope both teams are bound to slip up. They can't win everything, um, even if they obviously play each other and draw or win. They can't go through the whole season. They're, they're bound. There's bound to mm. be a blip of some kind. Um, I mean, you know, if if there isn't, um, well, you know, good luck to them. They'll have, they'll have done wonderfully. Um, but uh, no, as long as we then play. Um, immensely competently against the the lower divisions as we did against the Stoke game in the Stoke game Stoke was a great great win um uh you know just just tore them apart if it's uh, if we can deal with the uh, with the lesser teams and keep going um that's 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 all he has to do really is just maintain uh, a, a a level of competence i think and keep and and keep winning 
he's got to win again. The pressure is to win all the other games, isn't it? And then hope hope that when we play top um, mm. top three or four, that we uh, that we beat mm. them. Um, but uh, that's that's the manager's job, isn't it? That's how he deals with the players. Remember, you know, we 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 managed it last year, I think. But the major problem will be the uh, the pressure of um, of all these these other games we've got, um, and whether we end up with so many injuries. Because because um, absolutely correct to say that Kennedy replacing Alonso is just something that won't work. It might work in a in a, a League Cup game, um, but um, not a not in a, a top twelve. Premier League game, um, yeah. Which, which, it kind of, kind of, you know, exemplifies my point earlier, which is, you know, Morata's the best example of perhaps our chickens coming home to roost. This is, this is, you know, our deepest fear really was that something might happen to him once we realised how good he was. But actually, I think that there are a lot more vulnerabilities in this squad and its lack of depth having said we I think that we had increased the depth of it I think you're, you're right maybe one or two of these players aren't quite up to it for the real you know for the really big test but there we go um, I'm going to move on just because uh, it, 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 it's quite uh, amusing when Duncan Castles puts his very bald pate above the parapet um, but he's come out with it again. I mean, there is a sense about Duncan Castles that like a broken clock, he's right twice a day, you know, but I, I wouldn't even give him that credit, to be honest. But anyway, the bottom line is he's come out in the Times again uh, saying that uh, Conte uh, will probably go at the end of the season. Of course, there were rumours that um, because he didn't sign an extension to his contract, he just agreed to pay a pay rise that he has a bit of an out. There's also, of course, the rumours that were going around that there was a bit of um, discord between him and the board because he didn't agree with their strategy. They didn't agree with his. And then you've got the whole way that the Costa issue was handled and on and on and on and on. Um, so like, like, like all the worst conspiracy theories, there's enough kind of logic in there to be able to cobble together a story, which is well, probably what Duncan probably Castle is. does, so isn't it, Tim? to create a story out of nothing it would it would appear you know and and some of these guys appear to have obsessions and certainly he seems to have an obsession with with Conte problems at Chelsea replacements <laughs> and whatever and of course history has shown that our managers don't last so if you write it enough times as you said you're going to be right sometimes i would have thought there's almost certainly nothing in it and, and, and also, <laughs> exactly I don't that. know who his contact at Chelsea is, but I doubt very much if it's the decision makers, the people who actually decide when the manager is going to be sacked. I doubt very much if Duncan Castles is is going to be their confidant. So I suspect it's the usual hot air. He probably talks to the groundsman or the, the tea lady or the bloke who drains the swimming pool or something, you know. But who knows? Who knows? But I, I, I hope, obviously, and I'm sure we all hope, the Conte's here for the long term, but you know. I mean, the. Well, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. I mean, you know, how, how much of a loss do you think he would well, be, mate, if, if he I, was to go at the end of the season? I really hope that he would have, and I still hope that he will have the time necessary to embed his his philosophy in the club. Because the problem with churning your manager every two or three years is that you don't create a long-term philosophy and you know that's always been the thing they talked about was having a and they've never done it because they've never had a manager long enough the reality is you know history has shown Ancelotti only lasted two years and he won the double for heaven's sake you know Di Matteo went months after winning the Champions League who knows I would hope they've learned from that he does seem 
Also, he's very, very popular with the support. And I think that that must, should count for something after the Benitez fiasco and, <laughs> uh, you know, one or two other uh, other appointments in the past. So, you know, we, we'd have to see. I don't whether he's popular with the players. I don't know. You 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 don't. You're not hearing the the grumblings we used to get about Scolari or about Mourinho. So you, you you'd hope that he, that things were okay. But I'd be very 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 disappointed if he went next summer or the summer afterwards. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would too. And I, I mean, here's the interesting thing. It's bizarre, isn't it? The kind of juxtaposition of the two games that we're talking about on last Wednesday is one of the, the I yeah. mean, I thought that was an absolute tactical masterclass. And to do that against one of the best managers in the world, because I think Simeone is, was remarkable. And then, you know, you could argue that he, he didn't quite get it right tactically today. Oh, sorry, today, on, on Saturday. But the, re- the reality is, I think he's superb. And I think it would be a real shame if he were to go. But ha- having said that, Joe, um, you know, Tim says that we, the, 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 we don't have this kind of uh, opportunity these days to have um, a long-term manager who can impose his philosophy on it. The club, of course, would say differently. They would say that the philosophy is to, to boot managers out, you know, every two years and that the club own the philosophy. And in some respects, that, that in, in a sense, defines the problem that we have with managers against the board because the club strategy is to to, to use managers as, as hired guns, get players to be hired guns. And, of course, the whole transfer thing where, you know, Conte was, you know, feeling the pressure to win stuff quickly so he wanted to buy older, tried and trusted, trusted players. And the club said, no, we want younger players with a resale value. So you've already got a chasm there, haven't you? And there's yeah, only I mean, going to be one I winner in the, that, isn't uh, there, just, just to sort of piggyback on some of the stuff that Tim said there, I think this is the... The first time I can remember where I think the, the manager adds more to the team than I think the team does to him. And, and by that, I mean, you don't have this incredible core of players of, you know, Terry, Lampard, Czech, Drogba, Balak, Essien, Maka. I mean, I can, I can go on for 10 minutes naming some of the players. You don't have that core of players now where I think, you know, you could almost just go and say, OK, you're going to play 4-3-3. These are the guys playing, just go and win the game. I mean, it, you know, there was loads of stuff about the team basically managing themselves under Adam Grant. And I think, you know, probably a lot of people would maybe say the same under Di Matteo, that a lot of it was to do with the players and the mentality they had. I think now it's it's almost kind of flipped on its head where Conte really, the structure and the the formation, the drilling and the training sessions, he's getting more out of the players now than I think probably any previous coach has. So if he were to go, yeah, I mean, I think he would be a huge loss in that respect because, yeah, I think we're probably at the tipping point now of where I think a manager, we probably do need a world-class manager to add to the players rather than uh, just relying on how good they are. But yeah, I mean, going back to uh, to what you said there. Yeah, I mean, just a uh, it's it's a strange one. You know, I think that the club have got a very distinct philosophy on 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 buying younger players and trying to bring players through. But again, you know, they've they seem to hire managers who are stylistically at odds with what they're trying to achieve. And then this kind of loggerhead situations you get possibly this summer where Conte maybe wants to buy certain types of players, and then the club are obviously pushing for a younger player. There was a lot of stuff about Lukaku versus Morata and. You know, a lot of this stuff just gets gets leaked by the club or will be, be leaked by Conte's representatives, etc. But going back to sort of the castle stuff, I think the one thing which is worrying me and I think still worries me is the fact that Conte's family, to my knowledge, hasn't actually moved over to London yet. And I thought that was going to be the big, the big kind of symbolic move in the summer was that Conte's family would be here with him in London and he's obviously his daughter and his family would start settling into London. But 
I'm still under the impression that they still live in Italy. So, you know, whether whether this is Castle's kind of, you know, stop to watch his right twice a day kind of moment, potentially. But that, that to me, doesn't bode fantastically well. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> if, if they were here, I might be thinking differently, but it's just a little bit too much coincidental stuff, I think, over the summer. And the family thing as well, for me, it's kind of suggested that maybe there may be there is something in it. Indeed, there is. Jonathan, um, jo- yeah. well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you this, actually, Jonathan. Um, the 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 rumours are, of course, because of course it conveniently this coincided with Ancelotti getting a tin tack from Bayern, and and some wag on Sunday supplement said, well, Chelsea are now in the position where they're having they're having they're, they're going to have to start rehiring managers that they've sacked because they've got through so many. Um, on the one hand, would would you would you have Ancelotti back? And on the other say, hand, do you think all, he'd come the, back? The clock stopping um, twice a day was my was my tweet, and you've nicked it. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, and. Um, uh, oh well, I'm so I know, sorry. It's it a common, it's a commonly used a phrase, Jonathan. Of, to be um, fair, of likes for it. So clearly, <laughs> that's where you saw it. Thank you. And uh, uh, yeah, no, but, you didn't. But you not from me. It, but you, not you, from you, me. I think you'll find. Like it? You just nicked it. Um, and uh, and uh, <laughs> um, secondly, um, there was um, uh, he gave a radio <laughs> interview the other day in Italy. Uh, where he said he wanted to go back to Italy. Uh, that was where he would go next. And uh, and that's where this has started everything. Um, that's how this has all started. Uh, um, so I think I think there is a distinct possibility that he will only... Um, he'll see out the two years of his contract and go. I don't think it'll be, as Duncan Castle said, at the end of the season. I think he'll see his contract out. Um, but... Uh, I think there's clearly something in it, as was reported, because he re- he actually did make this statement that I would like to go back to Italy as soon as I can. Um, so, uh, um, that in a sense, um, you know, there is you're absolutely correct. There is no smoke without fire. But Castles, of course, has managed to to make out that it's going to be the end of this season. But um, if that is his intention, you never actually know. I mean, I'd like Castles to be completely wrong because he he did nothing but all through the summer uh, have a go at Conte and mainly because he's a what is he he's a Liverpool player he's a red of some kind a Liverpool fan he's a he's a he's a red of some kind isn't he he's Mourinho's mouthpiece in the S course he is absolutely yeah yeah, yeah so uh, there's bound to be some stirring or or you could put it another way he he's he's he, he's Mar- he's he's Mourinho's orifice piece, possibly but another bit, I'm going to say I'll be I'll be a bit little bit scatological he, he, yeah he has some. He has a, a flat up <laughs> Mourinho's ass, <laughs> allegedly. Yes, indeed. What about but, Ancelotti, J.K.? Uh, what about Ancelotti? Yes or no? To, uh, he's not the same thinker. He's a great thinker and a great manager, but uh, he didn't. He's he's not of the moment. Conte is of the moment. Guardiola is of the moment. Uh, he isn't uh, quite good enough. I don't know where we're going to get another another manager who is good enough. It needs to be Guardiola or it needs to be keeping with Conte because they are the two best managers in the world at the moment for me. Or I tell you who would be a great replacement, and I think um, once they should consider this, of course, is Simeone. I think they're the big three for me, um, uh, and I think that's who Chelsea should go for. And there is there has been talk that Simeone. Yeah, I think he signed a contract to 2020 or something, but. Uh, uh, after that, he would be lurable. 
Um, so uh, that's the man for me because he, 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 his sides are mm. defensively wonderful and, uh, and have great passion. And uh, you never know, we could then buy Costa back again, of course. Mm, well, a very interesting theory there, Jonathan. I'm liking that. Um, so, basically, we should wrap this part up because we've got lots and lots to talk about. Funnily enough, a good segue into the fact that we are going to be talking about Atletico Madrid in, in a minute. Uh, I will end this segment by saying I don't think it's a big disaster losing to City last Saturday because uh, we're pretty much where we were last season and we all know what happened then. And my final comment on this is that Pep is bald <laughs> and so is Duncan Castles. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the, Ch- the this is the Stamford Chid Show. No, it's not. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am actually Stamford Chid. That has to be said. And I'm delighted uh, on the, on, a, on a really. I knew this would be. <laughs> a more cerebral show with the company that we've got tonight. Uh, Jonathan, of course, is with me as always. Uh, and uh, we also have the esteemed Tim Rolls and Mr. Joe Tweeds. So there Hello. we go. Hello. Evening, gentlemen. Uh, right, this part we really absolutely are going to dedicate to uh, a fantastic win uh, against Atletico Madrid last Wednesday. And, and I have to say, I mean, you know, I wasn't lucky enough to be there. I was watching it in the in the comfort of my armchair but of course, I knew knew lots of people who were out there, all of whom came back saying it was one of the best European nights they've had in years, uh, on on a, inside and outside of the stadium. Um, but I think on a, on a more pertinent point, I, I have to say that that was one of the best performances I've seen a Chelsea side 
play away in Europe probably since pre-2012, that kind of era of the side where we used to go out and pull off really spectacularly good results. I would. Like I that, Tim. Um, the, would you uh, agree CFC with that? UK stalk to a guy called Sam. I don't know his surname, but he's been going forever. And he said that was right up there, as far as he's concerned, with, with Barcelona in 2012 and sort of, you know, Galatasaray, we won 5 0. Very, very few games we've played as well as that. You know, against. <clears throat> I, I tweeted on the day, you know, hope, hope to win. Mm settle for a draw and we didn't settle for a draw we went we kept going at them and to, to play like that and to have the confidence to play like that in, in injury time with me, me shouting get the ball in the box get the ball in the box you know and I'm sure I wasn't the only person doing that they um, it, it was a superb <laughs> tactically yeah. technically the, the performance of the players the level of concentration you know the, the whole thing was 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 an absolute joy to watch, and hats off to hats off to all of them because it made it very clear that we are back at the top end of European football. We're not just making up the numbers like one or two other English teams are going to find out when they play decent teams. We're we're, we're back, and we're back very near the top level. Mm, absolutely agree with that, mate. Joe, I think what what really pleased me most, kind of following on on from that, was that. You know, we tactically outthought, as Jonathan, as we revealed earlier on, you know, one of the best managers in, in the world at the moment. But we outthought and outplayed Atletico. And remember, that's the first time they've been beaten at home by an English side ever. And the first defeat they've had at home in 11 European ties. I mean, that was a. I mean, I think the, th- the thing that I take away from that, Joe, is that that is a result that, that has laid down a marker to the rest of European football. And I tell you what, mate, nobody... No, I mean, I completely agree. And I, I think going back to the, your first point about being one of the best performances, I think that that's one of the best Chelsea performances ever. I mean, take away European or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, that, just the general level of opponent, that's one of the only games I can remember for uh, absolutely ages, I think, where we, we were completely on the front foot throughout the entire game. We weren't sitting back. We weren't afraid to play football. We weren't just sitting there to counter-attack. Hazard was just magical. Morata was fantastic. You know, Bakayoko and Kante were, you know, stopping counterattacks before they'd even crossed the halfway line. I think the entire the entire back three were phenomenal. It was just it was a, a performance I think of real class, a real benchmark of what this team is capable of. And obviously, when we're talking about the City game, I think that's also partly why the disappointment comes in because Madrid and uh, mm. are one of the best sides in Europe. So they have one of the best managers in the world. They've got some of the best players in European football. And at times they, they couldn't hang with us. And how, I mean, how refreshing was it, you know, the sort of 90th minute to see Chelsea, instead of being camped in their own six-yard box, dealing with corner after corner to actually be, you know, attacking and looking for the winner. And, uh, you know, that goal that Batshuayi scored, I think really, you know, it was such a fantastic goal as well. I mean, obviously the, the moment and the kind of the sort of euphoria surrounding a kind of injury time winner. But the one-touch football from Bakayoko and Kante and Alonso was was superb. I mean, it was a goal fit to win any game, but a, a game where we had been so, so dominant against a team of, of real quality was, was was so refreshing to see. And I think the sort of general buzz around the, the club from the support afterwards was, was definitely merited. And, you know, without sort of any kind of hyperbolic uh, connotations, definitely one of the, the best Chelsea performances I've seen in Europe. You know, we've, we've done a lot of these kind of plucky backs against the walls sort of, you know, stuff in 2012. And we, we've gone to Barcelona at the peak of their powers and, restricted them to like no shots and stuff like that but I think this you know taking sort of the context aside just the performance in isolation was, was probably the best I've seen Chelsea play in maybe five ten years it was it was that good 
Blimey, that's high praise indeed. And I was going to say, Jonathan, you know, it, it, for me, it, it just it had written all over it. Uh, Chelsea are back. You know, it really did. But I think just taking on board what Joe said, you know, he, he's right. A lot of those great um, European performances from the past were actually more kind of, you know, rear guard actions, real stoical defensive performances and smash and grabbing it. But I, in a, I wonder, you know, in, in terms of the evolution of the team, we're now seeing, uh, you know, the team evolve in a Conte style away from Mourinho in terms of his, you know, stoicism to actually being able to go away in Europe and, and dominate a side like we did there. Because, I mean, apart from everything else, mate, we, we could have we could have scored three or four uh, well, that yeah, night and, and, and we would have been we worth should have, it, wouldn't we? In fact, we? and uh, they were very fortunate to get the penalty through a moment of madness from David Luiz. But having said that, though, that there was a lot of grabbing going on the other end, which the referee didn't see. And uh, for me, it was the... Uh, it was the best, um, uh, as Joe said, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen us have in a, um, in a Chelsea shirt. So the implication being that I was wearing a Chelsea shirt, which I wasn't. Um, I do occasionally, but um, um, and most, mostly when I'm in bed. But you don't need to know about that. Um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, uh, well, is it, is it the light I, blue a, version, a, a Jonathan? Blue, a, a very dark blue one, a very original one from uh, 19... Um, uh, 76, but uh, I don't like to tell too many people about that one because um, they might nick it. Um, uh, but no, can I, can I just bring something you said, Chich? I've got one of those. said um, that other people are going to, other teams, English teams are going to find out how difficult it is in Europe. Um, I'm, I actually think that uh, uh, nearly every team, English team in Europe will do well. And I think we'll be playing one of them in the quarterfinals or in uh, the semifinals because I think th- uh, they will they will beat everybody. I think every team, particularly United and City, have completely strengthened to a degree that makes them uh, top a top European side now. And I think City have the the ability to win it this year, the Champions League. And I think that that is something really that he ought to be planning for of how to to counteract that having seen how they played against us during the week. Um, but for me, um, you know, having my first European game that I watched was um, uh, was in the Fairs Cup in 1966. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so I have a kind of longevity with it. I can honestly say that was the best I've ever seen them play. It was uh, because, as you say, they were not reacting. They were in charge. They were the ones bossing, bossing the team around. And it was... It was one of the great evenings. I, I was just absolutely uh, over the moon about it. It was absolutely wonderful. Brilliant stuff, um, Tim. Tim, um, you know what? I, I, you know, I think that, yeah, there's so many talking points from this game, but uh, let, let's pick on this one first because I, I have to say, I thought uh, you know something that we really wanted to see happen for a long time happened on Wednesday, and that was that Hazard looked absolutely world class. You know, it's the, I, I think that's the first time I've really seen him. You know, take the game by the scruff of the neck against would, decent opposition. He, would you agree? He, yeah, back to full fitness. He he looked hungry. He looked whatever they they did with him. He he, he found a way to, to get past them. Whether they, how they marked him, how they tried to cover him, and he you know he did what he does brilliantly, which is take people on, spot the balls, get in the positions, go on the runs, and he's on his day. I still think he's the best player in the Premiership. I know one or two might argue with that. 
and you know, and one of the very best in Europe. And he and he proved that. And to do that in the big games, that's when it counts. It's not doing it in the League Cup. It's not doing it. No disrespect yeah. against Crystal Palace or, or West Brom. It's yeah. doing it away against Atletico Madrid. Those are the games that you make your mark. And to do it, hats off to him because I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I, I tell you what else, it tells me that uh, you know Conte has actually managed his injury pretty well. Um, because I think a lot of us were trying to get him back in the side as quick as we possibly could, and I think maybe that that there speaks an experienced manager, but also an experienced former player who knows what it's like and, and and knows how you need to recover. And I think it's really good to see him protecting what is our best asset, because you know a fit and firing and sharp hazard, it, as you said, is one of the best players in Europe without a doubt. And he, and Indeed, he, he did. showed it, didn't he? Um, you know- that will give us confidence going forward in Europe and it will also make other teams think because they'll, they'll spend even more time trying to work out how to, how to stop him. And, and the thing is, of course, it, by stopping him it, or trying to stop him, it creates space out well elsewhere. But it will, when we get through, and assuming we will, and we start to play the very top teams, at least we've got someone of the level that will make any coach in Europe stop and think. Mm, absolutely right. Well, I, I do think that it, it does bode well. I think we really laid down a marker, actually, on Wednesday. It was so fantastic to see. I mean, Joe, in dispatches a minute ago, you mentioned quite a few of the players. I mean, in, in a sense, I mean, we, we just concentrated on Hazard there, but it's hard to single everybody, anybody in particular because I think it was such a great team performance. But um, I, it was interesting to, to kind of see the contrast with the strikers. I, I thought Morata was brilliant as well because not only did he score a superb goal, which is as we're now getting used to, something that he's very, very capable of. But uh, I, I liked the fact that he put himself about... I mean, mm, there's that yeah. wonderful clip, which I'm sure Gerding, you've all yeah. seen, of where Gurdin, or whatever his name is, you know, tried to challenge him, and, 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 and Morata just bounced him off. So he's he's clearly toughening up, which is, you know, good to see. Um, but, of course, at the other end of the spectrum, somebody that we, you know, we, I think we've all been a bit a bit down on, to be fair, and, and possibly with good reason. But like I said in, in part one, Batshuayi actually did what, you know, you want a good kind of uh, penalty box striker to do, which is to be in the right place at the right time and finish it off with yeah, a plumb. I mean, and to be again, fair to him, he this, did, this didn't he? This is the, the kind of dichotomy you have with Batshuayi, is in the penalty area. I think he's a really wonderfully talented player and it's not easy. I mean, even think back to the West Brom goal that he scored to win the title to consistently find space mm. in the penalty areas is a, is a skill. You know, it's something that people just assume, oh, he's just in the right place at the right time. But it does take a skillful player to continually be on the end of, of crosses and be in the right place. It was something that made Costa fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was really, really delighted for him. I think his celebration was fantastic. It obviously meant a lot to him as well, but you know, I think with with him, he's got such a, a high potential. I think he's got, you know, he's a he's a very kind of stocky, athletic player. You just you just want more out of him outside the penalty area, but you cannot knock um, his ability inside the area. And I think as well, you know, I think he's a, he's a really really good finisher. I mean, it was a really nice finish. He could have uh, he could have slashed it, but you know, really nice connection, drilled it in that near post, just where the uh, the goalkeeper O'Black couldn't get to the ball. But yeah. Delighted for him, and I know I, I do hope that he does kick on. But you know he's never going to be this target man kind of forward that Conte wants. But you know Conte's an intelligent coach. I mean he's made Victor Moses into a a Premier League standard wing back. So why can't he turn Batshuayi into some kind of centre forward that he can use, like a Carlos Tevez type potentially? But you know someone like that that he's had a lot of success with before. I think Batshuayi is a bit tenacious. He's kind of got that. But going back to what Jonathan says, it's whether he wants to listen and and, and learn from Conte is a different matter. But there's definitely a player in there. Um, 
I just hope that we can we can maybe see it over the next few weeks if uh, if Morata's going to be out. I kind of wonder with Batshuayi, and we've said this actually many times on this show. I think, um, funny enough, he crops up a fair bit. But um, he he strikes me as the kind of player, kind of striker who, yeah. who would perhaps be better in a two. You know, operating in the box and feeding off somebody who can give him knockdowns and and little passes. He's but he is not the kind of striker that that we need for the system that we have, which is, you know, basically playing with one up top and, and any one of William Pedro Fabregas Hazard behind him, when he two of those uh, behind him, trying to feed him through. He, I don't think he has the skill to play like that in our side in that format, but I do think he can, you know, he's a very effective, uh, yep. he's a very, very, he's a, he's a goal poacher. That's what he is. Uh, the old, what was it that Arsenal used to bemoan not having a fox in the box? He doesn't, he's not really more like a fox in a box. He's more like a, I don't know. If, I, I hesitate I to make an you. animal He's analogy because he is a unit, but uh, that's the kind of player he is. And a bear I, I, in a in sense, the area. A bear he's a very big fox. He's a very, very, very big fox. But uh, you know, he, you know, he's a bear. He's a bear in the area. I like it. I like it, Jonathan. A bear in the area. That's a good one. But he is. So there is somewhere we can get something out of him. But I don't think he, he's not a like for like swap with Morata or, or even Acosta. And 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 I think that is a problem for us, but let's not go over all that old ground again. Um, what we've got to mention, because, uh, you know, we do have a, a singer, da- a singer, dancer, actor Tim, is that in the Tim? house, of course. Is, is that Tim um, but one of the no, highlights of the many highlights from that game, uh, I don't think it, no, no, no. Funnily enough, Jonathan, it was you I was referring to. Now, as to my knowledge, none of us were there, were they? Because Tim, Tim would quite often be on. No, on, I wasn't. On the I, old, uh, I, I European away. Were well, you I'm, there, I'm Tim? Hoping to do Rome, but I, I can't afford to do all three of them. And I, I was thinking about doing Baku, but apparently the club trip has sold out, which is fantastic. You know. No, fair, fair. So no, I wasn't there. Yeah, short. Yeah. Really, that is fantastic. Quite impressive. Yeah. Okay, well, I wasn't sure, but I, I, no, didn't, no, no. I didn't want to cast aspersions if, in fact, you had been. But of course, one of the many of the many highlights of that night, arguably, arguably the biggest highlight was the new chant that we've got for Baka Yoko, uh, Jonathan. Um, you know, you know how this goes, Jonathan. Aya, Timmy Baka Yoko, together with the Golo. Timmy Baka Yoko, together with a golo, never gives the ball away. Fantastic. He's off, he's off, he's off. Yeah, and it's brilliant, isn't it, Oh, it's, it's really original, I love it. Oh, God, what have we started? What have we started? What have we started? It's good, though, isn't it, Jonathan? It's nice, it's original. All Frank Lampard. Hooray! Yeah, quite. I have to say, or, or Frank Lampard. Yeah, yep. exactly. Oh, yeah. What's the other? Or Gerard, the Slippy G song. All of which should be outlawed forever, as we know. But no, this is delightful, and I, and, and I think it's great when we get a a really really good song going. I have to say though, I do think the club have have made a massive uh, horlicks by not uh, not using this fine opportunity to rename. Tomeu Bakayoko, not easy for me to say, but they should rename him Bakayoko Harma. Tumbleweed. (laughs) Tumbleweed. Absolute fucking tumbleweed. I thought that was great. I mean, you know, club sponsors, one of our best players, (laughs) Bakayoko Harma. 
No. Okay, I'll move on then. Um, Tim, as you were so grumpy first, I- I'm going to give you this one. I mean, look, no matter how good uh, we were on uh, on Wednesday, and, and we were, um, it is a group match. It is early stages. We've still got, uh, you know, two legs against Roma and... Uh, uh, Atletico at home, of course, which will not be easy, and they will be seriously out for revenge. And uh, and going away to Baku is not going to be easy. I mean, Roma did them 2-1, but that's a long old trip, one which we could do without. Um, so, you know, it's looking good, um, and that result is possibly important going forward because it proves that we can compete with and beat the best. But qualification is not guaranteed. There is. Uh, there's still a long way to go, win, isn't there? Um, if we can beat Roma at home... You'd have to hope we get something in in Baku, and you know, ten eleven points is normally enough. We we should we should get you know twelve points guarantees it. We we should we we should get there. This was probably the hardest game in the group. I think Roma away is going to be hard as well, and and Roma at home. In fact, you know, arguably both of the home games to come aren't going to be easy. But we proved if we play like we did the other night, we need fear nobody. Certainly not in this group. As long as Morata's playing, indeed. Well, therein lies the problem, perhaps. Yeah, yes. which we kind of alluded to before, didn't we? I mean, yeah. Joe, would you um, echo those sentiments? Yeah, I think the um, the Rome game will be quite difficult. I think they've got some good players, um, but no, I think this is probably the the biggest shot we would have had. I'd have been really happy with a draw there. So, as long as we don't lose our home games, I think we're fairly confident that we'll, that we'll go through. Um, but I think what we've seen in the past couple of years is it's not always. Uh, the best thing to finish top of your group because there is a lot of good teams now because of this new seeding system where you're you're potentially going to play someone pretty decent regardless of uh of, of where they come so yeah i mean it's uh i don't think it's as, it's as important it was maybe five years ago to finish top but i still think uh yeah we'll uh as long as we don't lose our, our home games i think we'll be fine well that's a good point i mean it's interesting what jonathan was saying earlier about the fact that he um, you know, he thinks that uh, the English teams are going to do very, very well this year, particularly City and United. Um, I'm, I can see his point with City and United, but I'm not not sure if I agree. But do you, do you see that happening? Do you think? Because I mean, the reason I say that, Joe, is that I still think that there are, and I actually, to be honest, uh, the result on Wednesday notwithstanding, I still think that uh, the likes of Atletico, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Juventus, PSG are way ahead of us, to be honest. So. I'm surprised to hear Jonathan um, say that. What do you think, mate? I think I think it's a tough one. Uh, you know, I always used to kind of rely on the fact that we were a lot more experienced than the rest of the Premier League teams. We always seemed to sort of carry the flag. You know, we were kind of perennial sort of quarter finalists, semi finalists for a long period of time. I think now City probably for me are going to be the ones who who that we need to look out for. United, I think you know, I'm kind of a bit give and take with them. I think Mourinho can potentially impact them in a negative way if he sets a, if he sets up too negatively. You know, we, we've seen it in the past, you know, the PSG games that we played under him where I think, you know, they went now to 10 men or we could have been in the ascendancy and his sort of team selections and strategies during the game kind of backfired quite a bit. So I think City are definitely the ones to watch. The amount of money they spent, the sort of players they have. And, you know, a point you made a lot earlier in the in the podcast, just, just how athletic their team is now, particularly with, you know, Carl Walker and... And uh, some of the players they've signed, I think they're, they're a fantastically athletic team who can play really good football. And, and you know, I think that combination really will trouble anyone. But my my kind of, uh, I suppose, my, not really uh, a kind of uh, dark horse, but I'm really interested to see how PSG do when they uh, come round to to playing some of the better teams. Obviously, they've they've signed Mbappe for what 150, 160 mm. million, Neymar for 220. I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of 
sort of venturing like new new kind of ground here in terms of transfer fees. So be interesting to see how well they do. But in terms of the English teams, I think I, I still think Aston City will be the pick. Mm, okay, fair point. Uh, now, finally, before we wrap this part up, uh, uh, I, I'm sure all of us saw this because we we had the benefit of watching it on TV. But uh, Tim. Um, how much did you enjoy well, you Costa's reaction at the UK end of the match? Piece, you will know that I'm not Diego Costa's number one fan at the moment, so I hugely enjoyed it because you know he's treated he's treated <laughs> us like mugs. He's treated Chelsea mm. and everyone associated with with utter disrespect, utter disdain, and you know he's, he's where he wants to be, and it may be very petty, but I thoroughly enjoyed his the, the way he looked at the end of the game. I think it was the Indeed. living definition of Schadenfreude, and I, for one, enjoyed it. So there you go. Right, we're going. Indeed, it was. Now, like after the break, uh, last part, but we've got a whole load of uh, uh, stuff to talk about, including actually Tim's uh, Tim's new book, Doherty's Diamonds, which is out. But there are other things going on with that. We're going to talk about that. Uh, a little bit about the Jack Whitley uh, memorial unveiling, which took place on Saturday before the Man City game, and of course, we've got some top emails as always, including. Uh, a request i believe and you know she's in there actually f mary kill is in the house tonight it's uh, she's uh, written a song and I, I i may be wrong but the inference that i get is that she's requesting that jonathan sings it no doubt she'll inform me of this on mixler but uh, you've got that to look forward to i think we'll see you in a sec real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Alright, I'm back at Stamford Chidge. Of course, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. The last part under, we've had, we've still got the brilliant Jonathan Kidd, uh, Tim Rolls and Joe Tweed in the house. Now, uh, as I said before the break... Um, Tim's been working on on this massive tomb, which is called Doherty's Diamonds, uh, which is a, a book about uh, Doherty's Diamonds. Amazingly enough, but it was the great team that uh, Tommy Doherty assembled in the in the early to mid sixties. And uh, I mean, it's out it's out actually on paperback now, isn't it, uh, Tim? But of course, um, there is a hardback, which those of us who helped to crowdfund it through Kickstarter are waiting with bated breath for because it's got pictures and stuff in it. But uh, how are we with the book? We've got a book launch coming up, haven't we, yeah, this uh, we Sunday? Are, as you say, the, the, the paperback is out. It's on Amazon. Um, you can go in, just key in my name. You'll, you'll find it. Um, so you can order that. The ebook is available for advanced um, order, and it comes out on Friday. Friday is 50 years to the day since Chelsea... Tommy Doherty parted company so that's the that's the reason for that the hardback I think I came on here in May when I was looking to raise five thousand pounds through crowdfunding to produce the hardback we got the money got 229 orders so the hardback is currently in production uh, I finished the index last week we've chosen the photos and everything it's it's a traditional publisher printer so you know, Mark and I can turn stuff around very quickly but it still takes time. We're hoping that it will be out mid to late November, which is very good time for Christmas. We always said we get it out in good time for Christmas earlier if we could. So the hardback, is, it's slightly frustrating, I know, for people who've pledged their money to know that the, the, the paperback is, is, is available. But, you know, it's going to be a couple of well, six weeks, six to eight weeks, and it, and it will be out. But the paperback, we sold it 
it was on sale at the CFC UK stall on Saturday. And what was great, obviously, I sold some, which was great. Um, but what was also was talking to people of my age, of Jonathan's age, who, who actually saw the team play and their fond memories. A guy regaling me with stories about the crowd cheering when Eddie McCready got injured because it meant that Barry Bridges could come on a substitute. Yes, this is a game against, yes. this is a game against Leicester 52 yes. years ago, let us not forget. And this Gosh. guy knew it. He had it all. He probably couldn't forget, couldn't remember what he had for lunch yesterday. And I got so much affection oh, for the team, for the players, for Doherty, for the whole thing of of, of, of those days. And it was great. It, it really was, you know, very enjoyable. So as I say, the book's out, the hardbacks on its way. And on Sunday we're doing a thing in Ascot, the Duke of Edinburgh. It's sold out, but it's um, Doherty, Barry Bridges, Bert Murray, and Ron Harris. Um, it's to do. It's plugging the book, but it's at the Duke of Edinburgh. Nick Tilt does these three or four times a year, gets ex-Chelsea players along. I think the challenge will be for the others to get a word in edgeways, because having met Mr Doherty a few months ago, he's got plenty of tales to tell. Um, so that's a, that's a nice to have for that as a sort of part of it, and that will help will help plug the book. But the basic bottom line is it's out. That event's coming up. We may do something else later in the year. Um, we're still working on that, a, a, a sort of a launch maybe with, with something else at the same time, but there'll be more on that as we go forward and what i'd like to do Socrates is 90 in april and i've got to talk to him on sunday but if he's up for it it would be nice if the club maybe marked that by having him as guest of honor at a game in april and i would hope off the back of that given i've now got relationship with him that we might be able to do something in london with him after that but obviously the guy is 89 we'll have to see what he what he thinks about that but that would be great if we could do something like that sort of towards the end of the season brilliant well i mean you you know uh, yeah isn't it jonathan i mean i I can't wait for this book and i the minute tim said he had to crowdfund it to get a a hardback copy done i was on it on it like a cheap suit mate um i'm I'm going to the do on uh on sunday and in true nick tilt style uh you you don't get actually get a ticket or anything you 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 turn up apparently and he just (laughs) remembers that you said you're coming is that right most people won't i love it that's so chelsea isn't it um but there's only a certain number of seats but you can stand at the back and you can still see see what's going on and you know it's 20 quid you get those four and you also get a, a hot buffet it's a very good deal the whole thing it's a lovely pub nick's a lovely bloke Bar staff are really good, really helpful. So it'll be, it'll be a good evening. And what Nick is, Nicky, who has no interest in football at all, he's coming along as well. Which will, yeah, I can't. What she'll be thinking of three hours of reminiscences from Doherty and Barry Bridges, I can't imagine. But this is, for the uninitiated, <laughs> that's my wife I'm talking about there. But uh, Tim, bizarrely. Indeed. Well, she's, a, she's a lovely, long suffering lady. About Barry Bridges and the creepy. <clears throat> yep. Uh, I was there, and uh, I remember it, and uh, I feel a bit emotional about it. My God, yeah, I I've forgotten, but now you've mentioned. I remember it. I remember the crowd going absolutely. Back. We all wanted Bridges because Bridges, yeah. Bridges at the time was uh, was on fire. I remember yeah. he was. A he wonderful... was the, well, he was the he was the crowd hero. He was. He got dropped for Aussie, and yes. the crowd couldn't understand it. And Mick Greenaway organised a petition when oh, Chelsea wow. played at Sheffield and when the team got back to St Pancras after the game 
presented a petition to the chairman, Joe Mears, and Bridges. I've got a photograph of Bridges being mobbed by supporters at St Pancras yes. Station, and I'm going to present that to him, because I don't suppose he's seen that picture in 50 years. So, he used to uh, celebrate goals by just leaping into the air and punching the air. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and we used to uh, copy that at school when we scored. We'd, we'd all do it. It was uh, lovely moments, very great moments. He, I love, he, he was slightly bandy-legged. And, yeah. um, and and he would always uh, um, he was always put through and he, a number of goals he scored rounding the goalkeeper just at speed and knocking the ball in. He, he was the fastest player in English football in uh, sort of yeah. sixty three to sixty five. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it made sense. He was absolutely electric. Yeah. He was an electric. He played for England during that period, of course. He did yeah. play for England, and yeah. It, it, yeah, he was unlucky. It's all in the book, shall we say? But he was unlucky that his England career came to an end when it did. Yeah. yeah. And he rather foolishly went to uh, to Birmingham. Didn't he? Did. I don't know why. Why he went to yep. Birmingham? Goodness I me! I think he got. To be honest, he got a signing on fee. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, you, you two, you two are making me feel uh, Joe Tweed's age rather than nearer your age. But uh, much as I hate to draw a close to the love in and the reminiscences of of the time when I was, well, I was born in 1965. I will leave it at that. But. I have to, Tim, I cannot wait. I know your book's going to be such a success. I mean, you know, you, you have put so much effort and work into this book in the in the studious way that only you Thank can. You. It deserves to be an absolutely rip-roaring success. I'm sure it will be. People out there, if you if you haven't b- bought a copy yet, go, well, and, go and either late, get the hardback copy or uh, or get it off Amazon. Sorry, the, uh, it'll be well the, worth the it. But, Tim, thank you. It was to get it oh, out to order. Really? There might be a few copies floating around. But if you want to get a copy... Go on Amazon or go to the CFC UK store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were there on Saturday, weren't you, selling them? Yeah, that's right. Um, listen, OK, well, look, thanks for that, Tim. I look forward to seeing you uh, seeing you at the book launch on Sunday. It sounds like it's going to be a cracking evening. Um, now, we ought to talk. It's something that Tim and I were both at, actually, on uh, on Saturday lunchtime, which uh, we're, we're very proud of, um, it being that we are, uh, well, past and present chairman of uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, but one of the things the trust does, as, as you should all know, of course, is that it, it has a little clean-up group uh, which tends to the Chelsea-related uh, graves in Brompton Cemetery. And of course, a while back, uh, Rick Glanville uh, discovered that there was a there was in fact only one uh, former Chelsea player buried in the cemetery, and it was his dying wish to be buried there. And that was Jack Whitley, who played for the club between 1907. Well, he was he played for us as a goalkeeper for about ten years, then he went on to be the club trainer until. Uh, 1939 and then he died a couple of months after we won the title in 1955 and of course we crowdfunded uh, to get a memorial uh, laid on his grave on his plot because uh, sadly in those days footballers quite often couldn't afford any any stone or anything so it was an unmarked grave so very 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 generously um, you know Chelsea supporters and and other football supporters in fact uh, put their hands in their pockets and with unbelievable uh, speed and haste got to the £5,500 target uh, that we were looking for. And uh, we, we all gathered on Saturday and we unveiled the memorial. Uh, the Supporters Trust uh, laid a wreath and Bruce Buck was there representing the club and he also laid a wreath. We had uh, two of Jack's surviving family, Andy, his uh, his great-grandson, and Andy's son, Harry. They were there. It was a, it was a beautiful day, wasn't it, Tim? It was very special. And, and, and I think particularly for Cliff as well, actually, Cliff Auger, it was... It was lovely to see yeah, that Cliff little dream Rick come to Granville fruition, wasn't it? Putting so much work for this to make it happen, I think it was fantastic that that 
you know, they got the money. Mm. The memorial looked really good. It was a lovely day. Yeah, the whole thing went off really well. And I'm really pleased for Cliff and for Rick, yeah. Yeah, me too, actually. But it was a lovely day. It was a good turnout. A few good people turned up. We all got on the telly. There was... Uh... Chelsea TV, ITV News, um, some strange Dutch crew there. But um, if you if you want to know a little bit more, I mean, I tweeted out earlier on on on, on all of my accounts actually. But uh, Chelsea uh, Football Club's website has got a lovely piece about it, um, which uh, and some nice pictures. But we'll get some stuff up on various websites sooner or later. But I think it's just the last opportunity really for me to say thank you to everybody who donated because I know we plugged it on this show mercilessly and your generosity was just stupendous so thank you very very much for that uh right just a few quick usual plugs that we give out um as always actually good segue into the supporters trust and a bit of news uh from uh from the supporters trust the next sgm will be at the atlas pub uh on saturday the 21st of october after the watford game uh it will be starting at 3 30 p.m so do rush along to that the atlas is our favorite venue for these meetings so do come along uh the annual survey which of course we were doing in june and have been working hard on ever since in fact uh ramsey if he's still in in shed upper man worked very hard on this that is coming out to the members on friday and the public on saturday so uh, look out for that, uh, and you can see the fruits of your labours in there. And, of course, you can join the Trust and get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member, and, of course, that will entitle you to come to the meetings, uh, vote on the issues that affect you, and, of course, do any, any of the events that we have, you can come along to that and get your voice heard. All you have to do is uh, go to chelseasupporterstrust.com and, uh, and you can join up on there. And, of course, follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust. And while we're at it... Um, Oh, some, some, somebody's just actually said something interesting. It was, I saw Alan May score, and he says, props to Martin Lipton for retweeting the lovely picture of the memorial on Twitter. There we go. Nice that not all Spurs fans lowered the tone over the weekend. Quite. Uh, right, CPO, Chelsea pitch owners. Uh, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own, of course, the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at Stamford Bridge forever now to find out how to buy one it's about 100 quid email info at chelseapitchowners.com check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on twitter at pitch owners uh, and incidentally you don't have to pay 100 quid all in one go if you can't afford it you can do it in installments which i think is a bloody good idea and last but by no means least uh, the latest issue of cfc uk is still available few copies left if you can't get one in person at Fulham Broadway, well, opposite the Fulham Broadway Tube on a match day, you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, you can follow at cfcukusa on Twitter or get hold of Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore and you can get yourself a copy if you live in the States. I'm presuming anywhere else as well, really. Uh, so there we go. That's Jim, enough from sorry, me. I'm afraid I, the time I, has come. It is email time. And I have I to tell you, Jonathan... Sorry, it's something I meant to say... Tim, yes, yes, sorry, book. sorry. Just to thank Joe. People may not know this, but it was Joe who actually commissioned my first ever writing about Chelsea uh, for the Plains of Almeria website about seven years ago, reminiscing on, <laughs> on games I'd been to in the late 70s. He was the first first time anyone ever asked me to write anything and it's fair to say if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have done cfc uk if i hadn't done cfc uk i certainly wouldn't have written a book so thank you joe i'm assuming my, my 25 percent commission is in the post Tim. uh 25 percent of nothing is nothing so. <laughs> fair point <laughs> 
Brilliant. Well, well, there we go. So it's all down to Joe. It's all down to Joe. Well done, Joe. And uh, and, and I, we should hasten to add, actually, The Plains of Almeria is a fantastic uh, website, and Joe is a stupendously brilliant writer as well. In fact, I might have to get Joe to contribute an article to mine, uh, the Chelsea Fancast website, because I've, I've certainly done likewise for him. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll tap him up for one soon. Um, Jonathan, yeah. it is email time, but I, I have to inform you, I have to inform you that F. Mary Kill has said, I would love to hear J.K. sing. She then followed up with my apologies. Okay, so it's kind of a double-edged compliment, but uh, you have been primed and ready. Mean, Take it away, Mr. Does Keith. that mean my apologies for, for putting you through it as a professional, forcing you to, to sing something when, you know, you're... you're... You're not actually uh, about to no, perform I, at all, really. Well, you? actually, I, 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 I'm going to grasp. I'm going to grasp. I'm going to grasp. I'm going to grasp Bonnie Rig Blues up, actually, because uh, the my apology, my apologies from F. Mary Kill was in response to Bonnie Rig Blues saying, "Mary, it's bad. We've suffered the last two fan casts of J.K. singing earplugs so are needed." Cruel, Chidge. I'm an art. I'm an artiste. <laughs> But I, I only read I, them out, Jonathan. I, I only read, read them, them out. Character, I am. <laughs> He's sensitive. Yeah, Bonnie Rig Blues so has just sen- said thanks, Chidge. I'm a sensitive artiste. <laughs> but for this, no, when I wait a sec, just I just want to say All right, one mate, thing. Get on with um, it. Because uh, I was just I was party to something at the weekend. Um, I went to the um, the, the fans forum. Um, uh, oh, luck meeting. And well, no, funnily enough, um, there was a very good speech. Very good speech about the ground. But <laughs> just texted during the whole of the whole uh, while we everything was going on. He's it was all slightly weird. Um, but the uh, the guy making the speech uh, about the ground made a couple of interesting remarks. One of which is that they don't know where they're going to move to, um, and it may be somewhere completely uh, off the out of the radar, off the uh, off the picture, um, uh, uh, because it's all to do with timing. And the first thing they're going to do is demolish the museum and the gym to make the building where the the workers have to be to coordinate it, where the where the the plans will be. You know, it's it's the the uh, the builder, the contractor's building, and the, then what they have to do is build the tunnel over the railway. And apparently, it takes eighteen months to make an appointment with Network Rail. That is the their rule, their ruling, and so they actually think we'll be at Stamford Bridge for another three years. And then it's going to take three years. And that's consequently, they don't really know where we're going to move to. Um, so uh, that was the gist. That was the sort of salient points of the um, of the, the speech this guy made. But other than the how wonderful, of course, the building is going to be. And it really will be phenomenal. It's one of the going to be one of the great buildings. Um, the great stadia, stadia in the, in the world. Anyway, um, having said that, I'll now get on with the mails. Okay, this is from Andrew McVie, I think, or is it McVie? Perhaps Andrew could say um, McVeigh. It might even be McVeigh. I don't know. McVeigh. Andrew McVeigh. McVeigh. Um, uh, I was born into a Chelsea family. My mum worked at Heathrow Airport in the sixties. She saw Chelsea come and go to and from Europe. She immediately started to become a fan. Osgood and Cook were her favourites. The boy, too. Then she met my dad. And what do you know? He was a Chelsea fan, too. Very good. Very convenient. Then they started to go to games and they took my older brother from my mum's previous marriage. I remember tales of him throwing peanuts at coppers during a Leeds game. But if he'd thrown them at the Leeds players. My mum started to get me into all the 
get me into all the players when I was about five. It was the late 70s. I remember her telling me that Clive Walker was the bee's knees. My first game was when I was six. We lost 3-1 at home to Watford. I remember nothing about the game, but I remember Mickey Droy signing my programme outside that grassy building thing afterwards. I was hooked. My next game was the famous Liverpool Rhodes Brown one. I remember seeing fans jump over fences attacking each other. And then it happened. Dixon Nevin. That season, that beautiful kit. Oh, I agree. Mickey Thomas. Yeah, what a player. It felt like we ruled the world. Canners at Sheffield Wednesday. Kerry making his England debut against West Germany and scoring two. I was so proud. Those days were the best. And then 87-88. I started to go to quite a lot of matches that season. The fabled Borough game at the bridge. I was there in the back row of the East Upper. And guess who was singing right in front of me? Yep, it was Mick Greenaway. The first time I ever encountered him. Wow, what a force of nature. And when the blues go steaming in. Amazing. Great mail. Great mail. Super, super email. That I enjoyed that. The next one uh, is Iva Digra. Do you think it's Digra, Chich? Uh, Iva Digra. Iva Digra. Iva Digra. He's from Norway. Iva Digra. Um, He's from Norway. Possibly not as camp as that. Um, hello, gang. Just some words of appreciation for the work you guys are doing and a little story of how I became a CFC fan. The insight and info I get through the podcast from you is gold. I can't read or see anything about what you guys talk about in the Norwegian media. The next game I watch, I can notice the stuff you've been talking about. Norwegian TV2 holds the rights, can only show one game at a time. Since most people in Norway are red, they'll show United or Liverpool if we play at the same time. I came to realise I've been a fan for 18 years now. I'm 30 year old. 30 years old now. It all started with Merlin's Premier Gold 99 trading cards and Torre Andre Flo. While most of my friends chose United because of Solskjaer or had Liverpool passed down by their parents, I chose Chelsea because of Flo. Zola and Flo uh, Zola. And I remember they played Tromso in the snow with an orange ball. That was cool. A couple of years earlier. Yes, that was going to be my team. I still have the trading cards and on, at, at arm's reach from the telly in case someone wants some, someone want to call me a fan since Roman came. I think that's want to be a fan or want to be fan since Roman came, which we blues got to hear a lot here in Norway when social media came around. Norway had some impact on our team in 07 and 09, maybe not in a good way, though. The first time Mourinho got sacked was after a 1-1 draw against Rosenberg RBK, which is my local team at the top level here in Norway. Tom Henningberg, I guess you remember or remember him. Well, I watched that game in a movie theatre. For No, sorry, sorry. Tom Henning of Rabo. Sorry. I, I guess you all remember him. Well, I watched that game in a movie theatre full of Manchester United fans when I was in the army. I think they were ready for the final at that moment. An all-time low point together with the other time they laughed in our face. Terry hitting the post the year before. We were a force in Europe those years. Just some bad luck stopped us from winning a couple of titles, maybe. Anyhow, my only visit to the bridge was in 2012. We played QPR and beat them 6-2, I believe it was. The trip over was a birthday gift from my girlfriend. She was a keeper. 
gone now. Since only one of my close friends is a Chelsea fan, it's hard to find local people to travel with. My plan is to travel over more, but it's hard to get all my red friends to spend half a month's pay to travel and watch away games. By the way, I watched CFC United at the foot of the Empire State Building in New York last fall in some basement called the Football Factory. We won big and I got drunk. Good times. Chelsea fans outnumbered United fans 10 to 1 that day in the basement. Good to see. Smiley face. Just a quick thought. Costa is not as good as Morata. Fair play is important. Too much BS with Costa. He's a great striker who helped us win a lot, though. I could write more about my thoughts about our current team as well, but I'll leave that to people with better skills in English so it's more readable. I'm a car mechanic and have not had an English class in 15 years. Well, you've done very well, considering, Eva. Thank you for the hours you put in so people like me around the world can follow our beloved team. Regards, Eva, Diag Eva Digra, Norway. Fantastic, and I love them. He's actually got pictures of his... Uh, of his cards of flow, isn't that great? <laughs> Fantastic, he's posted them up here. In his yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. I've got to say to to Eva, I, I follow I followed Eva on Twitter today because it just kind of happened that I found him on there, and uh, I've I've been to the football factory in New York, and uh, sadly not for a bloody game. It was empty when I went there, but I had to look around anyway. Of course, that's the the home of the New York Blues, who are a superb bunch of people, many of whom we know. So if he watched a game in there, he would have had a fantastic time. There's no doubt about that. So well done, Eva. Hopefully we'll see you over at the bridge one day. So the time has come, Jonathan. No worries. Akuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Akuna Matata. Alvaro Morata, I wonder from Spain. Alvaro Morata converts what as he plays. Alvaro Morata, my head. I don't know the tune, Chidge. I don't know the tune. You don't know the, I don't know the words. Defenders worry when he attacks the pace. No, He's I know. You did quite well for a bit. Alvaro Morata. Jonathan, you've just single-handedly ruined my childhood. <laughs> Turn that bloody radio off or whatever it is. I think what we do is, what we do is, I, 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 I can get, <laughs> I've got the gist of the, the chorus goes. Alvaro Morata, he's a wonder from Spain. Alvaro Morata converts what Asby plays, which isn't a great rhyme, but but I'll read the lyric out. It, this is from Mary uh, Zibilich, good old Mary. I was so tickled to hear Jonathan sing this week. You see, she liked it, even if you know Baron's Bridges doesn't. She liked it. Uh, Jonathan Kidd sing this week. I came up with my own ditty. This is to the tune of Hakuna Matata. <laughs> now I know it's in the Lion King, but I don't. I don't know it. But the gist is the chorus is I think. Um, Avaro Morata, he's a wonder from Spain. Avaro Morata converts what Asby plays, but I can't work out what the rest of the verse is. Then she then puts defenders worry when he attacks at pace. He's our problem-free Chelsea prodigy, Alvaro Morata. Alvaro Morata, Alvaro Morata, Alvaro Morata. 
Alvaro. Cheers, Mary Zibilich, a.k.a. F. Mary Kill. So uh, I'm sorry, but I'll have another go at it when I know the tune. And that's a promise. All right. I'll have a look at it. And I'll study it. Anyway, this next one's from Hakonby Gronvold. Hi, I'm from Norway and I'm a huge Chelsea supporter. I've been over a few times earlier, but now I've moved to the south of UK for studies. Oh, perfect opportunity to attend the beautiful bridge a lot more often. I would love to meet some other Chelsea fans before the game tomorrow as I'm travelling alone. Oh, would be great to meet some proper true blues. Can't wait for the game tomorrow and hoping to see some more of you before the game tomorrow. Cheers, hack on. So was this on Friday? Well, indeed. And I did actually email Hakon, if that is in fact how you pronounce his name, and did say that we would all be in the Cock Tavern, imbibing on ale. Harkon, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't get a reply back, but I just thought, let's read it out, because if, if Harkon clearly listens to the show, otherwise he wouldn't have emailed in. So, Harkon, next time you come to a match at the bridge, we tend to drink in the Cock Tavern, which is at the bottom of North End Road. So come and find us, usually in the garden, having a, having a pint or three. And there's all the fan cast, most of the fan cast boys are there, so do come and have a, a, have a chat. Tim quite often is in there, Rick Lamb, and others. It's usually good fun, isn't it, Tim? Can I say once again how wonderful it is? It, is, wonderful it, was, it, it is was on uh, all these, uh, these uh, supporters from all around the world. I'll keep going on about it, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it's brilliant that uh, you're the focus for it, Chidge. You're the focus for it. And that they can, actually say yeah, to them, come you, and meet you, us in the in the cock well you know what i mean i'm saying i mean well, I don't for know the about... fact that they can actually come and meet and chat to the very people that have, you know who they've been uh that who have been enticed into into coming to the, the yeah who's helping them um appreciate chelsea i think is a great uh a great possibility it's great great stuff and uh most importantly <laughs> preferably buy me a beer you know that's how it works no i mean in all seriousness that is not a prerequisite uh but it, it was a, it was great tim wasn't there because he was busy selling his book but i had a great time in the lovely chat with rick glanville tony was there dan was there pablo the oxford drinking machine buncey the lovely kenneth barkway martin wickham but also when i got there tim will be amazed by this because he knows that i always kind of wander in uh, very badly late but because of the uh, the Jack Whitley memorial I was I was around very early so I actually got in there when a I was early enough to have some lunch and b the only other person there was Johnny Dyer and and, the, and a lovely Dave who I sat with and had a, had a few drinks with and a lovely chat so Dave thank you for the drink by the way before I left just before kickoff I, I still had to try and get through three pints in about 10 minutes which was a bit unhealthy for me which is why I subbed for gin after the game but there you go enough of my tribulations um, right, uh, as Jonathan rightly pointed out, uh, lovely to have emails from all over the world. Hopefully we get to meet up with a few people. Nikki Davidson uh, said, actually, Chidge, hope to see you back at the Football Factory for a match next time. Absolutely, because, of course, I had a lovely drink with Nikki and Leia in the Football Factory, who, who were very lovely and were the only two who turned up and had a drink with me. So I, I, I love them to pieces for that. Um, so anyway, if you want to send an email, it's very easy. Just send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before a Monday and we will read them out. We always do, no matter how many there are or how long it takes, because that's how we roll. Now, uh, that is about all we've got time for for this week. Uh, we've had a lot of fun, of course. Uh, but from Chelsea's point of view, um, it might not be a good thing that we now have another infernal... Well, actually, no, from Chelsea's point of view, it might be a good thing that we now have another infernal international break, because, of course, uh, Morata might get time to get fit. From ours, it most definitely is not. I cannot abide them. Now, as a result, we are therefore not on air next Monday, but we will be back 
on Monday, October the 16th at 7 o'clock as always. Now, I will be joined by uh, Jonathan and Mark Worrell and one other person who I've yet to ask yet, and it will be Hurrah! our 400th show. Four bloody hundred. Now, uh, in honour of that, I know, exactly. Uh, but, uh, indeed, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, uh, perhaps some of you lot out there might like to write in and share some of your favourite memories from 400 shows, or our 400 shows, because uh, if you can remember that far back it is, I certainly can't. So there we go. So it's a very, very special show next time out, uh, Monday the 16th. And as I said, do let us know what your favourite moments are, or just things you remember, things that made you laugh. I don't care. I'll read them out. It'd be great fun. We might even dedicate a part to it. You never know. Um, Now, the eagle-eyed among you may have noticed the superb efforts from the lovely Gion Carbis, who has been upping our game with the Chelsea Fancast website. We now have regular content going up during the week. Uh, So make sure you give it a look at ChelseaFancast.com. And, of course, everything that we write gets posted on Twitter and our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And, of course, don't forget, if you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron uh, and you can help us cover the running costs of the shows that we do and uh, we'll continue to keep doing them for as long as you like or keep paying. No, 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 no. In fact, you could actually do the reverse That You could pay for us not to do them. That would be quite amusing. But anyway, I, I jest, of course. Uh, and of course, there's no pressure. If you want to donate anything, whatever you want, per show, per month, we don't care. If you want to do it, it's easy to do. You just go to www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, now, uh, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Joe at Joe Tweedy and Tim at Tim underscore rolls. And of course, check out the website, as I said, ChelseaFanCast.com. Many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Please keep them coming. And of course, a massive thank you to the brilliant, brilliant Joe Tweeds, whose uh, insight and, and knowledge on all things Chelsea is 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 unsurpassed, I would say. Joe, so fantastic having you on the show. Real treat for uh, us. Is it, you say Leon? Name isn't Lion. I've been calling him Lion for the past uh, five years. So the fact, just to hear you say his name differently has kind of put a, uh, a dampener on the fact that I've been calling him Lion. <laughs> well, I know, and, and as, as have I. And then I, I actually met him at the uh, the football blogging awards uh, almost a year ago now and and bless him he was up for an award as, as young writer young writer of the year or something and obviously he, he knew who I was so he came and said hello and he's a lovely he was there with his dad and he's a lovely lad and we got talking and as, as it happened Martin from Football Fancast was there so I introduced them and, and Martin basically tapped him <laughs> up and said you need to sort Chidge out because he's lazy he's a lazy old sod and he needs to kick up the arse to make the website work and it and it was at that point because of course you know as you know I used to pride myself on having the only Chelsea fan, uh, the only Chelsea website that never put any uh, con- uh, content on it which I was always very proud of but I can no longer have that excuse but no I'm afraid he is actually called Hion and he's been training me to say it properly so there you go um, Tim as always uh, it's always a pleasure to see you for a pint and have a have a natter at the store but it's particularly pleasurable to have you on the show thank you You're for very gracing welcome. us with your Thoroughly presence and your it. wisdom. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, mate, and Monday. I look forward to seeing yep. you at the book launch on uh, on Sunday. There's going to be a few yep. good people. I know, I know, Smithy's going to be there. Neil Smith. Be- well, yeah. Well, he informed me that it wasn't in fact on Saturday, which is what I had in my diary that it was in fact on yep. Sunday. So I'm really grateful that I bumped into Smithy. <laughs> and and Debbie Deb Debs is got. And last, but by no means Sorry, least, the uh, effervescent. There'll be plenty of photographs, hopefully. Debs is going, is she? The following day. Great stuff. I look forward to that. Uh, last but by no means least, a cheery, heartfelt thank you very much to Mr. Jonathan Joyous. Kidd. 
It's all I can ever say after I've been on the show. I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you for the opportunity for getting me to not really sing yeah, something been... that I didn't really know, which I think is a good thing, really. Um, and um, uh, I hope to have another go. I'll uh, I'll learn it properly this time, <laughs> uh, but only having been given it today, I didn't have time to do it. But I will. I've got another. I've got an idea of how it goes. We'll see. And um, if uh, if there are any more lyrics um, that. Uh, um, uh, Mary would like to give me uh, uh, pad it out a bit. We can we can do the whole song if she likes. You know, three minutes worth. I'd be happy to do that. Well, she she's she's just she's just she's just posted uh, she's just posted. Thanks for the effort, J.K. Appreciate the fact that you'll read sing the emails on the show, Chidge. Well, there we go. We were all hot, but brilliant as always, Jonathan. Now, look. Lastly, before I go, I, I, during the show, I've been alerted to the incredibly sad news uh, that Tom Petty has died which I, is, is particularly sad for me personally because I went to see um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers play at Hyde Park in July, that recently, and it was one of the best gigs I've seen. I mean, I can't stand those Hyde Park gigs because they are, as Tony Glover would say, absolute arse gravy. But the fact that it was Tom Petty overrode all of that and he was superb, as were the band. So how could it be sad that he's died? He was only 66, died of a heart attack. So... Uh, uh, you know, right? Keep running, keep running down that dream, Mister Petty, and rest in peace. And uh, on that rather sombre note, uh, I'd just like to thank everybody in Mixler for doing what they do and being in there and uh, actually alerting me to things like that, for example. But being brilliant, we are up for a couple of weeks' break. We will see you next time uh, for our four hundredth show. Thank you for listening. Particularly if you've been listening for all four hundreds, you need you need some therapy. Until then, keep it blue, I'm keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chill! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.